Yes. Hello. Thank you for tuning into the Awakening with Chantel Bettis Brown. Don't forget to share and like on social media and please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Please make sure you comment and tell me what you like about today's show. So let's awaken with today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Chantel Bettis Brown and you're tuning into the Awakening once again. Thank you for being here today. Today, I have a very special person. He has been uh, set the standards for me and my family real high um, as far as a figure. You know, um, we don't have a lot of uh, people that we can look up to, especially a judge. So when my children get to saying things about judge, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to introduce you to Judge Benny Richards. He's a family law um, judge here in Greenville, Mississippi. And today we're just going to talk about the everyday people. Um, We're dealing with family law. A lot of it has to do with majority rules, child support, because I have brothers. I have um, a lot of male friends. I have a husband, just a lot of people around me that I come in contact to in contact with that have a lot of questions and have a lot of concerns and not just only men because I have been finding out lately that women also has been affected with child support in some way or another and when people think of child support they think of uh un uh not a good parent or somebody you got to make do something because that's that was my understanding I gotta make him do this I gotta make him do this so I got a lot of questions for you Benny today and we just gonna ease up into it so tell us about Benny Richards well thank you for your kind words and uh (laughs) I too have a special connection with your family but my name is Benny L. Richard I am a Chantry Court judge in Mm -hmm. Greenville Washington County Mississippi And just as a short explanation for the type of matters that come before Chancery Court judges, um, I deal with family law matters such as divorce, custody, alimony. Um, We also deal with uh, estate matters, which in simple terms is when a person dies, how their affairs are managed and passed on to their heirs. We deal with the affairs of minors, mm-hmm. uh, children who have affairs. We deal with persons afflicted with mental health, alcohol, and drug addictions, and some other things. But the ones that most people appreciate are divorce, custody, and in this case yes. that we're discussing today, child, child support. support. <laughs> and when I say it is something that I used to want to be a child support activist. And I don't know, I know it was because of my brothers and um, other family members, because at one point in time, before I even had kids, when uh, my mama used to always bring up, your daddy didn't pay his child support or, you know, this, this, or whatever. And I used to be like, well, mama, why you got to make him, you know, pay child support? If I feel like if you have to make somebody do something, that's not doing it from their heart. Or they're not being, you know, sincere about it. It's like you obligated. But what I did know is that due to the fact that at times she needed assistance from the government, a lot of people fail to realize that even if a woman or man, uh, whoever is raising a child, 
need some government assistance, they are automatically placed on child support unless there are some legal documentation um, in agreement. Am I correct? Uh, that is correct. Um, so child support is typically initiated in one of two ways. Um, it can be a private action where a custodial parent files the appropriate uh, request. They can do it individually or go through what we call in Mississippi, the Mississippi Department of Human Services. Uh, it has other names in other states, but on a parent's behalf, they will seek child support. The other way that it often occurs is if a non-custodial parent is the recipient of any governmental benefit. Some people call it um, TANF or SNAPs or food stamps or welfare, whatever the common reference is. Uh, that parent has to sign a form assigning their rights to the state of Mississippi to receive those benefits. And thereafter, the state of Mississippi will go after the non-custodial parent in a sense saying, hey, if I'm providing some benefit for and on behalf of this child, I'm going to seek reimbursement from the non-custodial parent in the form of child support. So and, that's and how to, it generally to piggyback, is and, and, and this is where the activists in me come from, because you have a lot of parents. Um, you have some people that can work, but they choose not to work. So they get uh, assistance and it's like the other parent, even though they're working, paying their part, you have another parent that's basically like, Okay, if I'm gonna get all this child support and I'm gonna get this assistance, then I'm good. So it, it it's like a imbalance to me in a way. It's like a uh if it was me on on if it was me being a mother, if I was just that mind frame type of person where I'm just gonna let the government take care of me, I'm just gonna get what I can and he could pay his child support and bam. And so that's the activists in me that's like, you know what? I think everybody needs to be held responsible when it comes to child support, but that's neither here. <laughs> because I do, my mind be wondering like, this don't make no sense. Well, I tell you, I will give you a moral response to your activism, and then I will give you a legal response to your activism. The moral response is, yeah, you, show you right better about be that. careful who you lay down with and make a child by, because uh, there are a lot of consequences and a number of mm -hmm. different ways that could result right. from those decisions. So that's the moral response. But the legal response is the law views child support as a support benefit that belongs to the child mm -hmm. and to the child only. It's not about the mother. It's not about the father. It is about the child. And a legal obligation uh, to support a child and afford that child with basic essentials uh, so that child is ensured an opportunity right. to thrive right. and do well. In so, life. some of That's the questions the that um, I have um, has, like I say, you know, me and my brothers and other family members, 
when a person is paying child support and the other parent is not working, what does the law require as far as carrying that child on their tax return? So say, for instance, if I'm not working and I haven't been working in a, you know, period, and my daughter's father decides, well, Sean, let me carry such and such on my child support case, on my uh, income tax case. Do any, I'm receiving benefits. Do he have the legal right to carry her? Well, um, that's a very good question, and I'm glad you asked it. First of all, there is a presumption under the law that natural parents both have equal okay. rights uh, to a child. And it is another general presumption, which can be rebutted, of course, but the general presumption is that the custodial parent is the parent that should be allowed to carry the child or children okay. um, on their taxes for income tax purposes. And let me explain why that is a general presumption. Now, remember, a presumption is something that can be rebutted. So it's not a hard and fast rule, but it is a presumption that the custodial parent will be allowed to carry the child or children for income taxes because with being a custodial parent, there are a lot of what I call intangible responsibilities that come, such mm -hmm. as getting up in the middle of the night to feed or to bathe or to deal with a sick child or deal with discipline or training or just the joys and sometimes frustrations of being a parent that are impossible to exactly. quantify with a monetary amount. So that's why that goes. However, as I referred to earlier, that is a presumption. So there are instances where uh, the non-custodial parent um, is or uh, can establish reasons why he or she should be allowed to either carry the child or alternate years or where there are multiple children uh, involved. Sometimes one parent will take one, one will take okay. the other, but it, it is very fact specific uh, to each case. And where parents cannot agree, now if parents can agree to who's going to do it or what the alternating arrangement is, that's wonderful. But in many instances, parents cannot agree, that is where someone needs to uh, seek uh, a judicial decision as to who and when um, children will be allowed to be claimed. Because I've had many instances yes. where yes. parents will try to beat each other filing uh -huh. their taxes. They will both claim and one or both of them find themselves um, in a little hot water and either old money's back or their future uh, refunds will be intercepted or taken. And it can just make for a mess if there is not either agreement okay. or a and judge when, uh, when you dealing, So when you're dealing with all this and just say you have, because it was, it was a situation that happened where really struck me to have this podcast topic. Because I was at work one day and it was a guy 
uh, that came in and he was speaking on behalf of what he was going through with his baby mama and stuff like that. And so he made the statement, you know, I'm just going to, I just, you know, if I can't see my child, then I'm going to just put my rights and she ain't finna be getting child support off me and I can't see my child. What are the basic law? What is the basic law for when you are paying your child support and you're being refused to be able to see the child, not because of any uh, violent matter, uh, any, you know, thing that you like the child is in harm's way. Uh, none of that. It's basically you have a jealousy type of thing. Oh, I don't like the new woman or. I'm mad because you moved on. I'm mad because you doing better or situations like that. A lot of people uh, that I know personally has dealt with their own hand and it gets messy. And then you got to go and hire a lawyer and go through all the mishaps in order to get an understanding to see your child. But if you paying child support, do you still have to go that way? Or is it where you have to come before you, you know, come before the judge and be like, well, judge, I'm paying my child support and I'm not able to see my child. There are uh, rights and responsibilities that both parents have when it comes to children. So, for instance, uh, the custodial parent um, has an obligation to take care of the basic needs of a child. The non-custodial parent has an obligation to pay child support, and just like the non-custodial parent has an obligation, he or she has rights, and that right is reasonable visitation mm -hmm. with the child so that the child can have a meaningful relationship with both parents. Um, now, what you have described <laughs> is what I deal with all day, every day, and for my non-custodial parents whose visitation is either being denied or frustrated by anger or frustration or the whim of the custodial parent, my advice is always the same. And it is this. You need to pay uh -huh. for it the way that you want to pay for it. By that, I mean. You can, um, the best thing to do is hire an attorney to seek court ordered visitation, uh -huh. or you can continue to get uh -huh. jerked around, frustrated, made angry, uh, almost willing to uh, do some things that the law would not find acceptable, or worse, uh, not develop a relationship with your child and become yeah. alienated from the child. So you're going to pay for it one of two ways. You're going to pay for it your way, which is meaning when I'm in a financial position, I'm going to hire the lawyer of my choice. I'm going to go to court and I'm going to get my rights enforced, signed by a judge. And there will be a visitation schedule signed by a judge that everyone has to comply with. It's not a matter of if or when, it's a matter of this court order being complied with. And if it's not complied with, then that non-custodial parents can come back to court, seek a contempt judgment, which basically means that the custodial parent has not obeyed the visitation schedule 
and is subject to a number of penalties, which could include having to pay the non-custodial parents Mm -hmm. attorney's fees, made up um, or additional visitation. And sometimes if it is severe enough over an extended period of time, uh, it can even warrant a change in custody altogether. So there are a number of remedies that a non-custodial parent has, but they must first exercise their rights by coming to a judge to put it in place. And many of my non-custodial parents make the mistake of assuming Mm -hmm. just because I pay child support, there is some magical automatic entitlement to visitation. And there is, but there needs to be a schedule put in place by a judge for everyone to follow rather than the general abstract concept of I have visitation rights, but you come to court for a schedule that typically says every other weekend, alternating holidays, splitting up major holidays such as Christmas and Thanksgiving and uh, others, but a firm schedule that law enforcement right. and a judge. So it's it's a lot. Enforce. It's so and a lot of parents. It's a lot of people fail to understand too. Um, I know um, a particular person that actually, um, instead of going through the with rafts of that, he basically took it upon himself to invest. You know, he was like, you know, them my kids. And a lot of people fail to understand that when you're in the same city, in the same state, sometimes it's best to get joint custody. Well, uh, that is an option. Um, A non-custodial parent, again, has equal rights under the law as the custodial parent. But the practicality of it is if you are at home barking and making Mm -hmm. a bunch of noise about your rights, your rights, your rights, but are not coming to a judge to lay it out in the form of a court order that the custodial parent has to abide by, that the non-custodial parent has to abide by, and importantly, law enforcement has to recognize and assist in the enforcement of Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of barking without it being put in black and white. So by a judge. when you are, uh, and say for instance, okay, people tend to, I don't have the money for a, a lawyer. That's one of the biggest issues when dealing with mm-hmm. child support issues. You know, uh, you probably got a good heart, mean well, doing right, whatever, but you just can't afford to uh, hire a lawyer. Are there different programs or different places that um, a person can go to to get that assistance? That's a good question because uh, that is the reason that I hear most commonly is, why did you wait so long or why are you just coming to me? And the, mm-hmm. and the answer is often, I did not have money for an attorney. Now, it is always best to have uh, an attorney, you know, that is the person that handles the matter. They answer all of your questions. They handle all of the scheduling and the procedural matters. But sometimes that's not Mm -hmm. an option or an immediate option because of the finances. 
And it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Uh, but I would suggest that a non-custodial parent uh, check with the local clerk's office to see if there are entities or agencies that offer pro bono, which is mean free legal services for that type of matter, in some of the larger jurisdictions, typically with a greater tax base, there are some agencies that do that. In other areas where that is not an option, I would strongly suggest that a non-custodial parent bring the action uh, themselves pro bono or, or um, self-represented. Um, judges are very um, sensitive to self-represented people who may not be uh, legally trained coming to the courthouse to have their rights enforced. People have the same rights right. without a lawyer as you do with the lawyer. You know, we see sometimes more errors or um, mistakes, but they can be cured. I would rather a person mm -hmm. and, and people have different approaches to representing themselves. Some people get on Google or the computer and come up with a form and, and file that. Some people will go to the clerk's office and say, here's my problem. Do you have a filing that is close to this? And then they will uh, use what they get from the clerk's office kind of as, uh, as a template to go by. And sometimes they have done it right. Other times they have not done it right. But between the clerk's office and sometimes coming to court and the deficiency in what they have done being brought to their attention, they will go back and, and get it right. And, and oftentimes we can. It will get before us in a manner that it can be addressed uh, now as a judge, I can't tell litigants what to do and how to do it and, and show them what to do because that's not my role. But more often than not, between the clerk's office and where they get their information from, it gets before me and we okay. get things that's put good. in place that cuts that's, down on the that's chaos. perfect. And then do you have, I had a, um, do, are there some instances where when a person um, is paying a child support? So just say, for instance, okay, I can't afford a lawyer. I can't afford this. So what I'm going to do is get a second job. And I'm going to just work towards, uh, work towards the goal of saving up to get a lawyer. I have seen before where uh, a person has got a second job and they paying on one job, child support coming out of one job, and then all of a sudden, bam, they got their second job and child support hitting that that job is where are there any ways around that or is that the legal way of doing everything or um is it basically like that because they're behind or how can you stop it to where you're not it's not being double dipped well um child support is calculated by the non-custodial parents uh, income from all sources. 
So the law does not look at it as job number one or job number two or the weekend job versus the main job. The law looks at it as all sources of income. And what I see often is um, income is income. And if it is a what I call a traditional job or main job where you work 40 hours a week or whatever, that's easy to calculate. But what gets a little trickier is uh, you wash cars there. You do a little carpentry over here. So it's not a Monday through Friday, eight to five job. It's just cutting hair or or doing a plethora of things. Um, All of that is considered income. And to the degree that it can be established, uh, then all of that is ripe for a calculation or sometimes an upward modification in the amount of child support. So all income is fair game. But it goes back to that thing. You got to be careful. (laughs) You got to be careful who you lay down with. You got to be very careful. And and what I also see, um, what I also see is when uh, the non-custodial parent does not have the money for attorney's fees, sometimes there are periods in life where you have an infusion of money that you don't have on a regular basis. The most Mm -hmm. common is income tax uh, return time. There are other times where um, some people come into settlements um, or inheritances, or sometimes it's as simple as um, over over time, some people during the pandemic have received yeah. uh, incomes from the government for, for various reasons. And it is always my advice. Um, and none of us have as much money laying around in our front pocket as we would like. But when you have a little extra change in your front pocket, yeah. that is a time to either squirrel it away or make a partial payment to a lawyer. Because again, you got to pay for it either out of your pocket or with high blood pressure, you know, pulling your hair out your head with frustration and anxiety and all those things. Yeah, that it's a I, lot of it. <laughs> I see too it's much. It's a lot of it. it. It's too much of it. I, I'm really teaching my, right. um, my daughters. I have stepkids and, and sons and, I tell them all the time, you know, when y'all grow up, because they begin to be teenagers and of age, you got to be wise in this hour. A lot of people laugh at me because I was 33 before I had my first child. And even though I didn't make the best decision, I'm grateful. But yet and still, that one was enough. And sometimes you... (laughs) And, And Chantel... And I want to touch on something that you said. Uh, a lot of my non-custodial parents don't realize the far-reaching impact that child support or arrearages or back child support can have. So I will often see uh, non-custodial parents who are in their 20s or 30s and uh, for whatever reason, they may have become somewhat disinterested or frustrated. And just say what the mm-hmm. heck, and I'm, you know, forget it, and I'm, 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 I'm gonna let the universe mm-hmm. take care of it, and they neglect their responsibilities or don't come to court to get uh, 
adjustments or modifications done. Perfect example. Uh, a non-custodial parent loses his or her, her job or get a different job that pays less money, but the child support amount remains the same and they don't come back to court to get it modified downward. So 10 years later, Backlog. they mm-hmm. have a huge arrearage amount. That's right. Back child support or an arrearage. And it's $20,000. And they say, well, back in 10 years ago, this or that happened. I could not afford to pay it. But by the time they come to me, um, consequences have occurred. So obviously some of the, the penalties mm-hmm. or punishments, you can be locked up. Bench warrants can be mm-hmm. issued. Your driver's license can be suspended. Your professional uh, licenses or uh, such as to practice law, to be a doctor, to be an accountant. Sometimes your leisure privileges can wow. be suspended. That's the that fish. That's the hunt. Um, yes, your uh, income tax returns can be intercepted. Um, your personal injury or lottery winnings can be uh, intercepted or liens can be placed on those. I see cases where a non-custodial was in a car wreck or got hurt at his job. A year later, he's ready to get a lawsuit and money from a lawsuit, but there is a lien file that has to be satisfied in whole or part before he, he or she gets any money. So it's important to deal with this stuff at the time because for unforeseeable consequences could happen mm-hmm. in the future that are really and then you have so many people that when they don't do it and they get so far behind it's like at some point how can i live you know you got all your money because it, it was one particular girl actually a young lady woman and i'm sorry not a girl a woman uh she's paying child support and she basically put the text up on facebook and she was like, how can I live? And I felt so bad for her because even though you're still paying child support, you still got to live too. But it's, it was somewhere along the line that a ball was dropped. And I hear a lot of people say that they went to the local office and said, okay, look, I'm not making this money no more. I have had an inc- incident with my husband where it was an amount that um, they was going by one of his old jobs out of town. So when he moved back in, uh, moved back to Mississippi, they was thinking, okay, he's making this, you know, certain amount of money. And it wasn't until we started dating and got married. And I was like, babe, you should have went and turned this in because you ain't me making this type of money. That's why you ain't seeing that. Cause you're not making this type of money no more. Well, let me tell you what the law says, um, how this has to be handled. The obligor, that's the person who is obligated to pay child support because of the court order. The duty is on the obligor to seek the appropriate remedy of the court. And what the appropriate remedy is, is filing a petition in the clerk's office asking for relief. 
All of the other efforts oh, wow. are not recognized under the law. So what I often hear is, what I often hear a non-custodial parent, by the time they make it to court, they are telling me that for the last several years, I've been going to the child support exactly. office and trying to talk to a supervisor or a caseworker. Or I've been calling some 800 number or um, I've tried to do a number of different things. And the only thing that the law recognizes is when the obligor or the non-custodial parent files a written petition and they can do it themselves. They can write it out with their handwriting on a piece of paper. And again, I, we prefer a lawyer be involved, but until something is filed in the clerk's office, that is the first time that the law recognizes that the obligor took some action seeking relief. And it is at that point only that a judge can consider their I request. I feel so crazy. And I've been knowing you all this time and I did not know that. I did not know it was that well I, I always go and we go well, like you say you go to DHS you go to different people and you start to tell it let me speak to a supervisor and stuff like that and give them the check stubs and all this time <laughs> round the world y'all we go around the world I'm happy we had this conversation because all you got to do is petition it through the judge through the go to the Lord have mercy that didn't answer so that's that's easy. That's that's right. And 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 while judges are sympathetic when they hear how many years you have gone to the child support office, how many and I've had some non custodial parents who would document mm -hmm. they were able to tell me on this person such such I gotta day, roll down I myself. Spoke <laughs> to, you know, this person. That's right. And they told me this and they told me to come back. But when I went back and they have that other date documented and, and so they are very sincere and truthful, but the law does not. And, and while I'm sympathetic to that, I am not able to go back to the time frame years ago when they first asked the wrong person for relief. I can, the law allows me to uh, mm. give them relief from the point that it is filed in the clerk's office. And that's when the law recognizes and can take action from that point going forward. So if nothing else is learned, do not delay or procrastinate acting on your rights right. because and see, sometimes I was, the damage we, cannot my be undone. Himself, he, I mean, just speaking of personal matter, uh, we was under the understanding that you had to wait you know how they give you, a, um, what is it? Like every three years you come before and can say a test, oh, my wages have changed where well, you can get some. But you shed it a lot of light that I did not even know. This is very helpful information to a lot of people, everyday people. No, th th there is no waiting period that a non-custodial parent or even a custodial parent has to wait before they ask a court for relief. So for instance, what the law says is the magical time to seek some type of change from child support, which is already in place, 
is if there mm-hmm. is a material change in circumstance. So if you go to court one year and get child support and then the next year, a material change in circumstances, um, whether good or bad, that's when either party should come back to court. And let me give you some common examples. If the non-custodial parent um, is doing better, maybe they have a higher paying job, maybe they have come into some source of income. Um, I've had cases where uh, their um, uh, unemployment came, mm-hmm. uh, unemployment benefits came in a lump sum, or some disability payment in a lump sum, or maybe some. Um, some type of lawsuit came and they got a recovery, that's a material change. In, or maybe they got two jobs or maybe the job that they had gave them a substantial raise. That's a material change in circumstance that the custodial parent could say, hey, judge, we need to revisit this child support amount. On, on the other hand, if the non-custodial parent has lost a job or has changed jobs and that job pays less, or maybe the non-custodial parent is dealing with a health issue, which impacts their ability to work. Um, Maybe there are some other circumstances in their life that have occurred that would justify a downward or a lesser modification. That is the time to come to the court asking for relief. So it's no waiting three years or any specific amount of time. It's when mm-hmm. it happens, do something then, because if you wait, the, the meter is still running this, with this what really a judge can do. It is really good. I just want to thank you because, um, like I said, that's one of the things that I have not only just because of personal reasons, you know, wanted to understand better, but just, I just see people, especially now with this pandemic, you know, a lot of people have lost jobs. A lot of people also have lost parents. And you got the other parents raising, uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. grandparents raising a kid. And it's just a lot. It's a lot going on. And just to hear certain people get so depressed about how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to pay this bill. Then I got child support to pay and this, this, and whatever, there, there is a way that you can get the assistance that you need. It's just we got to start educating ourselves. And I tell you, Chantel, uh, the Internet has become a wonderful resource. Uh, if, if either parent were to simply Google or do research on uh, whatever the issue is that impacts them and make sure the uh, query on Google or whatever the search engine is, is uh, factually specific and jurisdiction specific. So if it's a Mississippi issue, specify that. If it's a different jurisdiction, specify that as well. But there is a wealth of information uh, on basic laws and sometimes even the procedure and and rules on how to do it. And that's often mm-hmm. free. So I encourage I just people wanna to thank you so much for, well. for being available to tune to be on this show to help me out. 
I have a lot of stuff that I'm dealing with right now as far as just trying to get out there in the community. I have an upcoming show, speaking of grandfathers and fathers, and I'm just trying to help everybody just come together and get some kind of common understanding um, and just get educated. And, you know, especially in the African community, just get educated, period. Because you have a lot of things that go on, you know, that don't really have to go on if you really just sit down and educate yourself and ask questions. So with that being said, I always ask every guest, um, since the name of the show is The Awakening, I want you to, it's like a, um, what you call it, a icebreaker question. When I say the awakening, can you give us a your meaning of awakening? When I say awakening, what what comes to you with it? Sure. When I say awakening, it is mean mm. using the resources that are at your fingertip to educate yourself about issues that impact you directly. And when it comes to child support, there is nothing more important than the relationship that a child has with both parents. And I think it is everyone's duty to encourage and foster relationships with children and their parents and all of the derivative rights that come with it, whether it's child support, whether it's visitation or custody. Use what's at your fingertips, and that is research, diligence, the internet, and not sleeping Nobody. on your rights because time waits on you got that no right. one, and right especially now, these kids need children. a lot of attention around here, and I mean a lot. It takes we need. To, I'm trying to get back to that village type of relationship with everybody, family, friends, neighborhoods. It takes a village nowadays because these kids is. I'm I'm really concerned with this this generation that we already have. But I really feel like it can be broken. The curses can be broken and it can be changed if everybody just really just grow up, want to change and want to impact because these kids features are in our hands and we got to be better as parents. We got to be better as people, friends, a, a community all together. Well, Chantel, I want to thank you for allowing me on your platform. I will assist you. I look forward to sharing uh, legal information. Uh, that's a part of my duty and give back thank you. Um, as a judge. And thank you for having me. And I will thank help you anytime. Thank you so much. Uh, and I just want to anyway, thank everybody thank for you. tuning in once again. We have Benny Richards, Judge Benny Richards, the family law attorney in Greenville, I mean, Judge in Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, one of the best of the best. So thank you once again, Benny, and I will talk to you later. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. All right.